Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity in the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars for Wednesday, April 26, 2023. How's everybody doing out there? We are uh, broadcasting remotely today. Uh, this is a pre-recorded program. And we are, yes, it's live, but pre-recorded, you know, that sort of thing. So what are we going to talk about today? We have new listeners all the time out here. And you know, we have, this is our third season here. And before I started this whole thing in, when was it, 2021, March, and no, I, I hit a milestone birthday in 2020. And what I wanted to do was I said, look, we're, we have a lot to talk about, a lot to discuss. What do I want to do for the next 20 years of my life? So what I ended up doing was this, what, what you see now. And I had been working on some stuff for years, putting things together, getting it right, and everything else. What I realized was, you don't need to have everything perfect. You need to have stuff 90% of perfect. Because uh, like with my first business, I had people who were involved with it that were willing to sacrifice everything for the perfect because it wasn't perfect. Therefore, we shouldn't be releasing things. And as I found out, and once you start listening to these programs and especially the live programs, I usually like doing this stuff live because it's you're forced to do it in one take. You're like a radio person, which is what we essentially are. We're internet radio. And we like to do things first take. There is no do-over. Some of the challenges I find with the podcasting, especially when I was not doing any of this stuff live, was with the podcast, you... Are working on it. Oh, that didn't sound good, so we're going to rewind it. Oh, we have to put in this little thing and that little thing. Normally, I just have a mixer board, and I'm just hitting buttons on there and everything else. And with podcasting, you have to do what's called post-production. With the live programs, there's very, very little post-production. Sometimes you do it. Sometimes you don't. That sort of thing. Uh, so... We have new listeners here all the time, and I appreciate you folks being out there. We get a lot of activity on Twitch. We are on twitch.tv. We're on YouTube Live. Uh, our links are on our website at safetywords.com. We're also on uh, Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter uh, doing this live. So we're hoping to expand things and everything else. But getting back to the beginning with the milestone birthday, I said, you know, we need to change the way things were going. This is was before COVID. Safety professionals, what are we? Safety professionals are often 
not valued. Now, an argument can be made that nobody feels really valued at work, really. And if you are valued, treasure that job. But safety professionals often get the brunt of everything, and it's our own fault. What's the big thing that we don't have as safety professionals? We do not have backbone. That's a big thing, backbone. We actually had a a moniker for somebody on a job. We called him No Backbone. Because the minute that anyone gave him any pushback, he folded. He, you know, he didn't want to hear about it. He didn't want to, I don't, I'm not saying being confrontational, but you have to make the case for safety. You have to make the case for your point of view. Passionately. At least the people who want, and the, what we always hear about is with all this stuff is, Nobody wants to go home hurt. Okay, well, first of all, you've been doing this long enough. You know that that's not necessarily true. The other thing that we hear is that management, and that could take the place in many forms. It could be from a first-line supervisor or foreman up to the owner of the company. They don't value safety as much because they see it as a drain. So, for example, they hire a person in a safety position that is half the normal rate of what they should be making. Because it's, hey, maybe you're getting someone who wants to get their foot in the door. Maybe you're getting someone who is in a transient position. They really need a job. They have no credentials. And hey, we're going to tell him or her how we want safety done. And that how safety is done. Well, no, we're going to tell them, well, you're just sitting in the chair. We'll give you enough donuts and coffee to get through the day. And, you know, we'll yell at you and we're going to back up our employees 100% except for you and everything else. And we've all been there. We've all been there. There are organizations like that that are out there. So what do you do? Now, I get this question all the time, being a veteran safety person, someone who's been in here a lot from the younger people. How do you manage a workforce that is... 100% against safety. And this article is, pardon me, this article is posted at my website since uh, October 16, 2020. No, safetywords.com. How do you manage work? Well, I said, well, first of all, they're not 100% against safety. Because as we know, especially if you're on the hop journey, workers have a tendency of correcting themselves to make the work safe, to get stuff done. So this, again, could, uh, you know, if they're 100% against safety, I don't think so. Maybe they're 100% against you. And no, I say that jokingly. So what are, what are we to do? It's a function of leadership. And we'll talk about leadership on this program in the future, probably tomorrow. But what are some of the pushbacks and tactics? And the reason why I give these, no, what are, they, what are we faced by? reason why I give this is not to start an argument. It's not to do anything like that. It's not to say, hey, well, we got to go after, we got to do it. You have to understand where people are coming from. You have to understand that, uh, that people have their point of views. People, have certain, people are in management positions often because they're able to, quote, unquote, work the system to their advantage, and there's nothing unethical about it. It's just the way it is. So that's what I always get. So I'm going to give you all of these 
pushback tactics that we're faced with and leave it up to you to do what you're going to do with them. Don't use it against the workforce, but maybe you can come up with responses about this stuff prior to there being a big problem. And you owe it to your workers to do this, to be an advocate for safety. So here, right from the article, and I'm not going to be reading this right in its entirety, the discussion should be how do we attain a safe workplace? However, we're going to define that. Find common ground, common goals, patience, and understanding is always a good parting, uh, starting point. If you don't have these, your job becomes harder and the job site less safe. So I, when I do this, especially for safety professionals, if I'm giving them some type of a training of some sort, 40-hour HAZWAP or outreach training, I always include this in the safety management system section here. So all these rules are based on Rules for Radicals by Saul Alinsky. And Alinsky wrote the book to teach progressives to implement change. How are they going to implement change? When I first learned about the rules, it was back during my political days, and I recognized them as many of the same tactics used in organizations, big and small, workplace, political movements, what have you, to prevent change. They want the status quo, or maybe they want things to change. And what's the end result? They contribute to toxic work environments and negatively impact safety. So if you employ these rules, you will not have a safe working environment. It's going to be toxic. However, if you have these rules being used against you, these rules for radicals, you should be able to modify your behavior, to have a response. If you could understand what the other person is doing, often that takes a lot of stress off of you. I've had this situation even with family members where they talk to me, well, this is what I'm in work, Jim, and it was hard and blah, blah, blah. I don't understand. And I said, well, let's break out the rules for radicals here. And what other applicability do they have? They have, they're applicable to your own relationships, whatever those are. So don't use these on coworkers or anybody else, but it's critical that you understand them. If you understand the tactics, you can manage, prepare, and respond to them positively. So a little background on Saul Alinsky. He was a community organizer in Chicago who uh, came up with these rules after the 1968 Democratic uh, National Convention where they had uh, riots and things of that nature. and said, look, you can't do this, have rioting. You have to become part of the system and work within the system. So number one, power. Here are 13 rules. Power is not only what you have, but what the enemy thinks you have. This could be as simple as hearing, I have worked here for a long time, I am, and you can insert your favorite family relationship or association. Then the person says, leave me alone and don't rock the boat, or I'll make trouble. This can be done overtly, or it could be implied. Often this is the reason why a company hires you, especially if you're a consultant, is to manage their problems. Sometimes this is better left for the human resource department. The end result is that you cannot do your job effectively and might lose it. The person who said this, you know, hey, power, right? who said, hey, leave me alone, blah, 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 right? Keeps snares, job, and people get hurt. And usually when you finish your assignment or you're fired, 
you figure out the person lied to you. They often are not respected in the organization, and you were called in to manage them, and you didn't manage them. And again, this is giving them, giving you the idea, well, I have all this power here. You leave me alone. And these situations have to be handled early. Never go outside the expertise of your people. This is what a lot of people, where they foul up. Provide expertise and advice about what you know. Tread carefully into areas you don't have the expertise in. Because if you're wrong, you're going to be destroying your credibility. This is what happened, what we were discussing yesterday with the public health system, specifically with the CDC. They went outside of their expertise of the people that they had as spokespeople, which was respiratory protection and biological safety. Even Fauci says, well, hey, I didn't, I just get this. I'm not at fault. What do I know? Blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. But the, it's a, a factor of message received versus message sent. If you are giving a guideline to someone and it's wrong, you're the one with the problem. You communicated that guideline, at least morally and ethically. I don't know about legally. So don't go outside your expertise. More importantly, talk to the person about it. Because I, no, telling them what's safe or unsafe, now you're a supervisor or somebody else, a blowhard. Whatever you want to put it. Maybe if you start to learn with the person and you develop a learning team like Brent Sutton says, or you talk with a person, now you become a colleague. How's that? You become an equal, basically. You don't want to be lording over people, especially if you're a safety professional. If you find yourself outside your expertise, admit it, ask, talk, do whatever, research, get an answer from someone who's qualified. And maybe the worker, you could ask their opinion on it. And this way you get trust and you get a relationship and maybe they'll come over to your side. Whenever possible, go outside the expertise of the enemy. So the, one of the things that Alinsky puts into place, and again, man of his times, this book was written in the late 60s, early 70s. Things, people were enemies. If they were either friends or enemies, black and white. We do know that that might not... Uh, not necessarily true. So the previous rule and this rule complement each other. One strategy is to undermine to undermine you is to find your strengths and weaknesses and concentrate on what you don't know. For example, you know a little bit about forklifts and you're auditing one trade on forklifts. You identify a problem and the response is, why are you worrying about this? You should be worried about Frank upstairs on the forklift or another type of situation with that. Right? It's distraction. You learn that there is no one named Frank and there is no forklift on the other uh, level. This manifests itself all the time. People changing the subject, going outside the expertise, your expertise, and everything else. Okay, well, maybe you learn something. Maybe you have to humor them, whatever. Uh, But again, make the enemy live up to his own book of rules, number four. Prior to enforcing a rule, make sure you are the one obeying it. Don't make a rule that you don't intend to enforce. Again, this is the COVID-19 stuff. This could be as easy as telling someone to wear a hat 
and then they not wear one. And then you don't wear one. The easiest way to show good leadership is to lead by example. So be especially careful. Management encourages the breaking of rules. They will often blame you and will mention it during your annual review or other inopportune moment. So they'll be encouraging things for the workforce to do one thing and then you're doing something else. That's one way. But the other thing is, uh, you gotta, if you say, hey, safety glasses, everyone's gotta wear safety glasses. You gotta do physicals, everyone go for a physical. Number five, ridicule is the most potent weapon. This is the go-to, especially if you have a potential to be successful or to achieve some success with changing a corporate culture. People who are against change often use ridicule behind your back. The strategy for managing this includes not taking yourself seriously and not getting upset. If you don't get upset and pretty much ridicule, what doesn't matter? You can't control the other person. You can control yourself. Getting upset invites more ridicule. And if they know it pisses you off, guess what? They're going to do more of it. So how do we do this? There's a lot of things you can do. Get the leadership and the team on board with safety, and the group will follow the leadership and ridicule will curtail. So uh, this is real simple. You cannot have... 30 workers and try to get all 30 workers on your side or what have you. Just worry about the one or two leaders in that group. Get them on your side. Everybody will fall in place. And what you have to concentrate on the problem, not emotional reactions. If you don't have an emotional reaction, do you know how that rattles the other person? The other person will go nuts because they're expecting an emotional reaction. The other thing is this. You got to know very closely when to confront someone. I fortunately have gotten the knack uh, in a lot of situations with this, and then it really diffuses the situation. You always hear this thing, uh, praise in public, criticize in private. It is. If someone starts to fight with you up front, and we have stories here all the time, about stuff like that in my career. And if you confront them, I'm not saying yelling and screaming and starting an argument. Simple logic and reason and being calm diffuses the situation. Then they learn not to confront you in public anymore. It happens. What was the story I was sharing uh, about this? It happened to me one story. I was in a... A uh, safety meeting with around 80 people. This was the weekly toolbox talk. And the shop steward uh, did not want, they didn't want to comply with a certain safety rule. And so, look, this is what the rule is. And they knew that if I did not enforce the rule, I would likely, again, this is 20 years ago, I would likely be fired from the job, thrown off the job, and I needed a job. So, what ended up happening was, I said, look, uh, anybody who wanted to change this rule or not enforce it, they were going to be thrown off the job. And I said to him, and this is the shop steward. He said, well, you're doing this. You should be in fighting on our behalf not to have this stupid rule, blah, 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 blah. I said, well, look, we're not going to, for us to change the rule here, the construction management firm, it was one of the largest ones in the country at the time. You've heard of it. 
they will have to change the rule to all 1,000 of their projects. I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think somebody here is going to have the political capital or the will to do that. Number one. Right? And this is uh, what I kind of, well, you should be doing that. I said, I tell you what. I said, John, his name is John. I said, John, you're very articulate. I said, you're very passionate. You have some very good reasons behind what you're saying. I tell you what, right after this meeting, and again, this is, he's a shop steward and a union official in front of 80 people, roughly. Why don't we go up to this other person's office and I'll stand right behind you with this and you can go and you can argue it to him. And then when you argue it to him, we'll see what the results are going to be. He knew that if he went up there and argued with the person, they would have went and gotten, he would have gotten fired. So guess what happened? He didn't follow up. He didn't make the argument. He had egg on his face, what we call. And the ridicule, the ridicule of me stopped and he stopped ridiculing me and everything else. Might have done it behind my back, but what happened was his workforce was completely undermined well, with him. I said, look, you're, I was going to bring the person, the shop steward, who is a union official, up to the person to argue this to get this rule changed. And he wouldn't do it. What am I supposed to do? Well, you know that you can't do it. He'd probably get thrown off the job. I said, yeah, and I would get thrown off the job too, but you're okay with that, right? Because you might get somebody, quote unquote, worse than me. And this is just the way it is. Uh, people forget uh, that we were in the behavior-based safety world then. But even in the hop world, there are certain rules that they have, especially in construction. One of them is a hard hat. And a lot of the uh, construction jobs, it's that you cannot be out there doing work without gloves on. I disagree with that because there are some jobs you can do with gloves that you're going to need dexterity in, but guess what? They didn't want to hear about it. So a good tactic is uh, six and seven. A good tactic is one your people enjoy, and a tactic that drags on too long becomes a drag. How can you use this to your advantage for the safety program? Learn an activity that the workforce enjoys. There are activities that the workforce enjoys is easy to do, hopefully it's affordable, and gives you some results. How are, they using, how are these two rules used against safety? If the workforce enjoys a negative tactic, they will continue to use it, right? And if you react to it, especially emotionally, it's guaranteed to continue. When you use an old safety program that does not work or is stale and the team cannot relate to it, you will have failure. It's not going to work. That's one thing with you know, safety programs and everything. They're, they're, the data is out there and some are good, some are not so good. With, with the incentives. The real incentives out there are what your day-to-day -day interaction with the first line supervisors. That's where it is. But again, if you're with some organizations, you're going to have to have some type of a safety program, an incentive, something like that, with that. But you, now OSHA has come out 
for and against and you know you can't be anything that's going to be too big because it's going to influence the employees not to report things and you know on and on and on and on usually what i found is just talking to people like they're human beings yields some of the best results you'll ever have out there keep, number eight keep the pressure on know your weak spots ahead of time and make sure they are fixed or at least have a way to manage them someone finds a weak spot, they focus on it. They keep pressuring you. Repeating the attack or casually mentioning it always at inopportune times. This is done to undermine you often. What do you do? A couple of things. Grow a thicker skin and don't take yourself too seriously. If the activity is illegal, then document it and bring in third parties. It may have to be a whistleblower. We mention this with the news media all the time on this program. Manipulation. Don't be manipulated. Be informed. Lack of correct information or complete information and means that you're going to be manipulated. Whether you're collecting data for, uh, right in the hopper world, human organizational performance world, you want data. You want data so you're able to measure things. So that's that's what you want. Now keep the keep uh, now keeping the pressure on. So we get this all the time with the news media. Oh, this is happening. This is happening. This is happening. This is happening. And we'll talk more about this in a minute here. But and then what happens? You find yourself being manipulated. Manipulated emotions. Don't take yourself seriously and don't succumb to the pressure. You're just a safety person. I say, don't say that to insult anyone. I always come up with the idea, and it's in my contracts. Do I have the authority to hire, fire, or discipline someone? If the answer is no, then that takes a lot of pressure off of me. Doesn't it? And during the... uh, uh, any accident investigations that are out there or mishap, whatever we're calling them nowadays, doesn't matter what we call them, learning team. Right? Well, you were the safety person. How come do you didn't stop him or her? Well, it's been documented multiple times. I mentioned it multiple times. He or she refuses to do it. It was reported to the supervisor or the system. And I was just dealing with this uh, recently. The system that you have in place does not manage this situation. It's a bad it's bad ergonomics. It's a bad incentive. It doesn't take into account human behavior, social science, how people work. All of that stuff goes on with that. And then uh you know, then I say end up saying, well, I didn't design the system. As a matter of fact, I argued against it. I'm not the decision maker here. Perhaps we can talk to the organization and with the organization on how this came about. So maybe we could fix it from there. Because if we're going to be relying on the human being to work harder, again, putting pressure on him or her, to work harder and to try harder and to work safer, guess what? You're not going to be successful. That's just the way it is. My wife was like, man, you're getting into a big rant last night. I said, yeah, that's me. 
before uh, my mother-in-law died, I used to yelling into the microphone, and she thought I was yelling at my wife in the basement. I said, no, I'm yelling into the microphone. Number nine. Remember number nine. The threat is more terrifying than the thing itself. Your own imagination can be your own worst enemy. People who have been at rock bottom and worked their way out of it will tell you that rock bottom ain't so scary, unless you're in jail. Something not scary can't be used as a threat. And guess what? If you are not threatened, you are not intimidated by someone, you have a backbone, you completely disarm them. And by the way, it pisses them off even more, which is great. Yeah, what are you going to do? You're going to fire me? No, I actually told this to someone. Where you're going to get fired. And I use the old uh, Dr. Evil thing, right, uh, line from uh, Austin Powers. If you fire me, I'll be inconsolable for 15 or 20 minutes. I'll make three phone calls and I'll have another job on Monday. <laughs> what do you think? You're, I'm afraid of you? <laughs> right? And then the guy's like, oh, where did I go? And he was so shocked. Again, I, my whole thing is to get along with people and to manage people and everything else. But when you get to these folks with screaming and yelling and everything else threatening you, guess what? You're able to disarm them. And if you could disarm them with humor, all the, all the more power to you. Guess what? It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Let them threaten you. Go ahead. Unless it's with a gun or something, then that's a different story. They wouldn't threaten Go ahead, threaten me. You got your ducks in a row. You have things documented. Not too much that they could do. You're just laughing off. And guess what? Then that throws them for a loop. Believe me, it throws them for a loop every time. The major premise for tactics is the development of operations that will maintain, we're on number 10, that will maintain a constant pressure upon the opposition. Let's repeat that. The major premise for tactics is the development and operations that will maintain a constant pressure, goes back to number nine, upon the opposition. I list a number of them, but this is not a complete list. You probably have your own list. Here, here are some of them. Call you on days off to ask you questions that could be left until your return. So you're out there at the beach. You're at the Jersey Shore. You're down in St. John's, St. Thomas, right? St. Croix. You're in Orlando at Disney. This actually happened to me when I was at Disney last time. Call you on days off. And then you're like, okay, well, this is the thing. Well, do you turn your phone off on vacation? On the same day, people coordinated come to you with all the problems. And by the way, that's usually not a coincidence. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. They all come to you at the same time. Well, we got this. We got now. You got pressure on you. This one has got away. Now we can talk about data files uh, being lost. But change paperwork, lose paperwork, and then blame you or somebody else. I had somebody throw out. Uh, I had it on my desk, and so this is in uh, the days before we had uh, smartphones and photocopiers on job sites. I've had someone throw out all my paperwork for a job. That's happened already. Right? That has happened already. And then they say, well, I don't know. And then we find out We find out that uh, the first time we couldn't find it out. Second time I had copies. 
Uh, and then it happened again. And I said, well, it's funny. You guys, uh, all of a sudden, you're the only person in the office. All the paperwork for the job, safety-related, gets thrown out. And here I have, and you're all the only common denominator twice here. Here. And no one else has keys to the office. No one else is allowed in the office. Humna, 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 humna. Oh, okay, great. Again, it's to keep pressure on you. Steel resources. It could be something as simple as a dry erase marker for a presentation and taking other critical equipment. So whenever I go somewhere, and the one time I've done this recently, I reminded myself of this whole thing here, right? Bring your own stuff. I don't care if it's a microphone. I don't care if it's a projector. I don't care if it's a whiteboard with markers and erasers. Bring your own stuff when you can. Because I can guarantee you there are people that do not want to, that have... No, you're a consultant. You're brought in to consult with people who usually have a problem in their organization. They don't want to hear anything that you have to say. But the thing is this. They judge us on what other health and safety people do. So this happened to one of my former employers where... The person who was giving safety training for that organization, the internal person, this is when I was a corporate safety guy, hellish safety training class. Everything was monotone. Today, we are doing your eight-hour refresher for the eight-hour Hazwapper course. And it was just a nightmare for people to go through. So when I showed up, and I am the way, hey, 20 years ago, I haven't changed, all right? So when I show up, hey, this is the way we're going to do, and we have an interactive training, and we do this, and we do that. They're not expecting that. But what happens? At the beginning of it, they sabotage you. General sabotage, steal resources. No, you're giving a presentation you need a whiteboard for. They take all the markers and the eraser. Now what do you do? Huh? Well, I have a workaround for that, too, but doesn't matter. General sabotage. Right? That's another way. Favoritism. So what do you do? You continue to do your job and be professional. One result of these tactics is to get a reaction out of you. Then the person, the perpetrators play the victim card and report you as the problem. You need to document these situations, secure your own resources, documents, and equipment, and call people out in a professional way when they try these tactics and get taught get caught. Again, you've got to work for positive solutions. Again, this is, you're going to say, well, Jimmy, uh, no, this doesn't happen. And oh, you work with fouled up people. Yeah, I work with fouled up people. This is, this is the way it is. If you push a negative hard and deep enough, it'll break through to the counter side. So make a negative into a positive. It's easier to, uh, and I shared this uh, story just now with the person who was going to get me thrown off the job, itching to do that. And what did I do? I go and I go and I push, right, against them, turn the negative heart into a positive to work my way. After I showed that person that one, I wasn't afraid of him. Number two, he didn't intimidate me. Number three, he was not, uh, everything was rhetoric, and he wouldn't even do what he was asking other people to do. 
How do you think his credibility went on that job? He was nice as pie to me afterwards. He was so cooperative and wasn't even funny with that. At least to the end of that job. Keep a cool head. Work towards things. Right? The price of a successful attack is a constructive alternative. Rather than complaining, offer a solution. Just don't go out there and say something is wrong if you're a safety professional. You try to turn it into a positive. If you have no alternative plan, then you should look like a blowhard or malcontent. More importantly, you have to try to get the other person on your side. That's what you try to do. Get the other person on your side with all of this. Now you're going to say, well, Jim, that's kind of right? Look for solutions. These professionals are often the people who are doing the job. They're the ones who can help solve the problem. Rather than attacking people, go out there and look for a constructive alternative. And the same thing goes, this is mostly against us, right? The pushback we got. If they're, oh, well, this is wrong. I don't like this. Well, okay, well, how, how, how do you, would you solve this? How are you going to help this out? All of this stuff has to go into that, right? Work towards positive solutions. Get along with people. Be professional. Don't be emotional with this. Again, this is all to manipulate you. And if you continue to fall into these traps out there, you're not going to have a very nice time at work. And this is why safety professionals, almost all of us, get burned out or face major mental health challenges. I'm not saying, uh, no, uh, they're manic depressive institutionalized. But guess what? Try these tactics on people. Go into work environment like this. See what happens. You're going to be burned out. You're going to find the person taking days off, mental health days, and guess what? The perpetrators don't really give a damn about you. Let that sink in for a minute here. Number 13, the last one. Pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, and polarize it. This takes many forms from bullying to just making people look bad. I have a whole bunch of ways that this is manifested. Let's see if this sounds familiar to any of you in the audience here. Being excluded from meetings or not being invited to meetings. That happens. Those missed meetings. Oh, yeah, Jim, we had a meeting. We decided X, Y, and Z on this. Well, that was a safety issue. How come I wasn't? Oh, well, we just decided to do it. We were all together. Okay, great. Every once in a while, that does happen. We understand that. But all the time? Does it happen all the time? Not having the correct equipment. That's a big one. Especially today, uh, one of the big things I do is I make sure my people have computers, printers, and scanners, and cameras, and phones, and an internet connection. Years ago, that's not what it was, and you couldn't do your job. You didn't even have these things didn't even exist, but you didn't even have uh, and nothing. They gave you no resources. Breaking the equipment you need, that was with the excavation story from last week. Uh, 
Unreasonable where I went out to a job and he broke all the equipment that I needed. Unreasonable schedules. Rushing an accident investigation. That's a big one. You have an incident or accident investigation, what have you. If it's a little boo-boo, you put it in the big book of boo-boos and you go on. Well, let's say you have a major thing. Uh, we've had major accidents on a lot of my projects, and the people are screaming, I gotta have an accident report by close of business. It's like, dude, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. I don't think you're gonna get it today. I'll give you a preliminary report. Take your time to do an accident investigation. Get what what goes into it. Everything that goes, what you need. We talk about root causes. Well, root causes are good for machines, not necessarily for people. Do a learning team. Get down to the bottom of it. I, no, I ask all the time. I get calls. Jim, we had an accident. Can we do an accident investigation? Can you help us out on that? Yeah, I can help you out on it. But what kind of accident investigation do you want? Are you looking for one pager? You're looking for something more. I point out the OSHA requirements for recording. Is the person hospitalized and you've got to make a call within 24 hours? Fatality. You should have called OSHA first and not me. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the report and the uh, with OSHA, right, they require a report within uh, one week on that record, under the record-keeping rules. However, uh, no, you could issue a draft report and say, look, we're still doing an investigation They'll accept that, but as long as you have something to show them, like, look, this is like a complicated investigation here. We're going on and on and on. I've had people uh, say, well, you took too long on that. And then all of a sudden I gave them a nine-page report. I said, you wanted the one-page report? You should have said you wanted the one-page report. Then I had it done with you in an hour or a half an hour. If you want a real report as to what's going on, you give me a call. Right? Not having resources, time, or personnel to do the job. Overloading you. Not budgeting professional training or development. That's another big one. Is your employer giving you professional training or professional development? Are you allowed to participate in that? If they are not, they're looking to pigeonhole you with this. No scope of work. Is communicated for a contract. This is how they sabotage you. This is how you target, freeze it, personalize it, polarize it. You look like an idiot. They don't give you a scope of work. Now you have a problem. Because how the bleep do you do the job? Colluding you, colluding with others or simply bullying you. Overloading you with work. Distracting you from your duties. Team members who work on projects you know nothing about and not telling you about. They're making you responsible for them. This goes into the being excluded from meetings. So now they have meetings. They're doing work on other projects. And they say, well, how come you don't know anything about this? Well, I don't know anything about it. Well, now, well, you're responsible for safety. You're supposed to know. Oh, well, how am I supposed to know when... The project you're talking about, it's 30 miles away and you don't tell me about it. I'm not on any email strings, voice messages, text messages, nothing. Well, you should have known. Well, I should have, well, dude, this isn't, yeah, maybe I should have constructive knowledge, right? I had to go up to everybody every day and ask, what projects are you working on that you're not telling me about? Really? 
blindsiding you. This is probably the worst thing you could ever do to this person. And, and it happens. In the course of business, you get blindsided. That's normal. Normal situations are... We're not talking about the normal. We're talking about completely blindsiding you. Or you, they come out of stuff that's non-sequitur, that's kind of left field, that's, you know, the whole nine yards. So there's not much you can do except to counteract this, except document it. Report it to human resources and consider moving to another position or company. Don't let these tactics get the best of you. Rise above it. They're trying to elicit an emotional reaction from you and manipulate you to do what they want or not what they don't want you to do. And this works at the workplaces, personal relationships, schools, what have you. Revenge, don't take revenge. Pain for pain is not, you're rarely ever successful and then now you sell your soul and you hurt yourself. Like the old saying, right? If you're seeking revenge, you better dig two graves. These people are not usually worth your time. A family member, maybe. They're not worth your time, effort, or soul. Concentrate on the positive people with potential. Don't waste your time with these people. You gotta cut bait at a certain point. You gotta get out of these toxic work environments. That was my biggest fault. I was involved in so many toxic work environments out there and didn't recognize it. I was afraid to leave. Now, you have perspective. They can't threaten. When they, you get to the point where these people cannot threaten you, or they threaten you, and it's like, yeah, so what? Or as my brother says, the screw you face. doesn't say it like that. You become a very, very, quote-unquote, dangerous person to these people. What do you deal with? With someone who can't be manipulated, cannot be manipulated, cannot be BSed. Cannot become a, you can become a very powerful person. And you get the respect that you need also if you have a backbone with this. Having a culture working against you or makes it, you know, uh, working against you or safety or what you're trying to accomplish makes everything much more difficult. And it's really bad when you're contributing to negative behaviors, contributing to all this stuff, all this negativity. So, hopefully these rules will give you the information on what to recognize in yourself and other people, especially yourself, so you can fix that, so you're not a jerk. And you help build an organization, and then help others. Because changing a Safety culture does not happen overnight, folks. It takes years. Managing people and situations effectively will ultimately save lives. You owe it to everybody. Saving lives, being positive in your community, and everything else. Isn't this why we're all safety people? 
In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.